Well, the virus has now killed more than 100 people in China, and new cases have been confirmed around the world. So you don't want to frighten the American public. France and South Korea have also got evacuation plans. Which you need to prepare for and assume. Strongly warning Americans to avoid all non-essential travel to China. That this is going to be a real serious problem. France, Australia, Canada, the US, Singapore, Cambodia, Vietnam, the list goes on. Health officials are investigating more than 100 possible cases in the US. Germany, a man has uh, contracted the virus. The epidemic is a demon and we cannot let this demon hide. Japan, where a bus driver uh, contracted the virus. Coronavirus has killed more than 100 people there and infected more than 4,500. We have to prepare for the worst, always, because if you don't and the worst happens. War Room Pandemic. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Welcome back. It's uh, Friday the 26th of September, year of our Lord 2020. You're on the show that is uh, walking you through day in and day out, how the progressive left, the Democratic Party, the Chinese Communist Party, George Soros, a whole group of pieces of work are trying to thwart the will of the American people. They don't care if they have to put a mob in the street. They don't care if they have to have digital mobs uh, driven by these social media companies. They don't care if they have to have a Brooks Brother mob of lawyers in courts suing all over the place. They always bring it on themselves, then they always whine that, you know, the world's so terrible and Donald Trump's so terrible. They brought on themselves all these lawsuits trying to do lawfare, trying to cheat, right? Trying to cheat, trying to use the law to their advantage, right? Trying to cheat. They brought on themselves the necessity to get a nice justice right now. Hey, sorry about that. Got to have it. All these are going to come into the Supreme Court. Got to have nine judge panel look at it. Can't be 4-4. Um, in addition, you see their, their heated rhetoric. Uh, and uh, it's just, uh, it's, it's really incredible. Every day on the show, we're going to go through and deconstruct exactly what they're doing so that they cannot destroy this republic. We will not allow them to do this. And I'm so proud of the uh, hashtag War Room Pandemic and the live stream and the deplorables of watches. So Lao Beijing that watches it uh, in, the, uh, in China, mainland China. Hey, you know, for all our Lao Beijing, freedom's not free. Right? This is a, every day you got to work at it. When you get your freedom from the Chinese Communist Party, trust me, it's going to be an effort to keep it free. It's just every day, and you see what we're going through here. One, uh, one of the uh, hashtag warm pandemic crowd, SJS Turkey, or SJS Turkey, Grundun is basically, you know, like a spirit carrier, like somebody in the phalanx, like a, a junior person that just kind of, you know, puts the shoulder to the wheel. It's a term Goldman Sachs used to use when I got there. One of the partners at Goldman Sachs about the... Uh, the, uh, the, the, the junior people that would work on these teams, right, to get things done. So Grundun is a term of affection, uh, and uh, it's a, uh, but also a reality of where you stand in the natural order of things. Raheem, I want to go to you. Some of this rhetoric's been pretty hot, uh, and we're going to get more of it, but Bill McGinley, and, and Bill McGinley's count on the, on, the, on, the, on the state, it starts off at 26 uh, congressional delegations, uh, Republican, 23 Democrat, one, the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania is tied. If you go through and just kind of look at the analysis right now, four of those could potentially flip, right? And it looks like it, this could end up 26, 19, and 5. But that's all contingent. You know, don't, don't think anything's going to be easier. That's all contingent about what delegations actually get seated, and that's going to go back to what vote is certified. So, you know, in 1876, they just didn't come in and seat uh, the delegations. They had a huge fight over the delegations. So 
Remember, this is going to be every day is going to be like this. And then when Donald Trump is actually officially, uh, uh, you know, designated as the uh, as the president again, it, it has the continuation project, the continuation project to roll into a second term. It's only going to get worse. I actually predict now, and you're hearing it here, that one of the first moves they're going to do is to impeaching. Of course, why wouldn't you, right? Because they don't they they don't care about our uh, our confrontation with the Chinese Communist Party. They don't care about turning the country around economically. They're the ones that traumatized or tried to traumatize the nation, but really only turned out they traumatized their own voters. This is why remember the elites in this country are not that smart. The progressive media is not that smart. They always overplay their hand. That's why they don't have the justices on the Supreme Court. That's why they're now going to get another justice rammed down their throat. This is why they got. This is why they don't have any votes. Bernie's sitting there. For all you Bernie listen, all you Bernie bros that watch the show, please just look what Bernie had to say. Right? Then you make your decision. We're not here to tell you how to vote. Right? You make your decision. But you see Bernie up there whining right in mid-September when this has been obvious. The last couple of months. Raheem, I want to go to you. You've got a lot more detail. The National Pulse has been the, the tip of the spear here in doing all, breaking all these stories. Tell us what's going on. Well, Steve, I don't know if you want me to get into this right now, but I can tell you that I, uh, the National Pulse has literally just one second ago uh, exclusively broken the story of uh, some of the details within this platinum plan that we're going to see later on okay. today unveiled. Yes, um, I have uh, I have spoken with sources who are familiar with the plan, multiple sources who are familiar with the plan, and I can exclusively report for our audience here um, that this massive plan it's it's about five hundred billion dollars worth of investment they're looking at making uh, in black communities, um, but specifically the plan also. Uh, seeks to make Juneteenth a national holiday. It will prosecute the KKK and Antifa as terrorist organizations. And there's just so much more in here as well. Defending religious liberty, African-American churches. Um, and, and, there's, and there's about 40 points that the president will uh, elaborate upon later today. Those are just some of the big things that I can report right now. And of course, Steve, that comes on the back of the momentum or the Jomentum, which is a downward trajectory momentum, uh, really, really running away from Joe Biden and Joe Biden's campaign, especially amongst young black voters and young Hispanic voters. Forbes was reporting yesterday that Biden's dropped, I think, seven points uh, in just a few weeks uh, with young black voters and a, and a similar number with um, with young Hispanic voters as well. And you look at the president's schedule today, Steve. With less than 40 days to go, he has a Latinos for Trump roundtable at Doral this morning. Uh, the Black Economic Empowerment Platinum Plan unveiling this afternoon. Uh, a roundtable with supporters in Washington, D.C. later this afternoon. And then a rally in Virginia this evening. And I'm just wondering, has Joe Biden called a lid yet? No, it's, un it's unbelievable. You know, if he had the morning feeding, he's got Gerber's, he got the Gerber peaches, right? You think he'd be uh, full on. They wouldn't call the lid to like 10 or 11, right, after he's uh, powdered and ready for the day. Here's the reality. The platinum plan is something that I think the key of is called access to capital, right? We've argued for a long time that economic nationalism, the way to really uh, uh, help the black community and really assist the black community in getting to the high-paying manufacturing jobs, the high-tech jobs, is let's have some access to capital in the black community. The, part, the beating heart of this, look, there's a lot of things in this platinum program. I know the White House has worked on this for a long time. 
It's, uh, it's absolutely incredible. I think you're going to see many other voices in the black community come out and support this. I think Biden's uh, uh, grip on the black community is tenuous at best, particularly the black male community that understands that high-value-added manufacturing jobs, high-value-added fourth industrial revolution manufacturing jobs is the, is the way to a better life. Uh, and I think you look at the access to capital here, I think it's $500 billion over a couple of years. It's one of the things I argued about, hey, let's get out of Afghanistan and take that $60 billion we're spending a year uh, basically uh, throwing away over there. Let's turn that and bring that back to Baltimore, St. Louis, and Detroit. Let's make those investments in, in, in our country. And I think this is the first step. I think this platinum plan, and of course they're dismissing it. You know, the Washington Post says, oh, you know, Trump's got in a desperate move. He's got a small business plan. That's not what this is. This is pretty, uh, pretty broad in scope, uh, but particularly the key part is the economic nationalism that we know that when you really look below the surface, look at some pollings that Hispanic males respond to, they understand when those manufacturing jobs start coming back from China, they're going to get a big share of that, right? And they understand these high-value-added manufacturing jobs are key. The black community also understands that, and this, with this platinum program, it's going to be enormous. President will be down in Atlanta, Georgia. They talk about it. But there's also, I think, going to be a lot of other announcements in the coming weeks that are going to shock the Democrats. They took the black community for granted. They said, hey, we got these votes. We don't need to work for it. We don't really need to, to for outreach. And we certainly don't need to talk about access to capital. You never hear that. You never hear that uh, when the, uh, when the uh, Democrats talk to the black community. My favorite part, though, of all that, the access to capital, everything's in the platinum plan is guess what immigration they talk about an immigration plan that protects american workers and american jobs democratic party suck on that okay this is what you're going to see i think rally uh the black community around a plan that really addresses their needs which is access to capital and limiting the labor pool so they don't have to compete with the world in their own country Right, so I think this is a pretty monumental regime. I'm glad you're breaking the story. I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that um, uh, the National Pulse is going to happen. I'm really glad my uh, my uh, my partner uh, J Jeff Cotton is my former partner, a very close friend. I was on Tucker about five weeks ago talking about the same ideas. Right, that what if the Republican Party really wants to reach out to the to the black community, you got to do, do it through real hard economics, right? And that means access to capital, and it means protecting high-value-added manufacturing jobs. Raheem, Jack, uh, back to you to talk about, uh, talk about, Jack, I know you're talking about the polling. Black Lives Matter, I saw some polling today after, after burning libraries last night, after trying to take sanctuaries in church, which we know they so respect churches, right? The polling in Black Lives Matter is now catching up with them, right? The radical Marxist element of Black Lives Matter People are seeing through this scam, aren't they? I think that it was I think it was Barkley and Shaq last night that dumped all over them. But then the polling looks pretty grim for the Black Lives Matter crowd too, doesn't it? Yeah, it's gone from about sixty percent support back in June to now sub fifty percent, depending on which poll you look at. There were two today: one from Pew yesterday, and another one from uh, Hill Harris. But I think this is one of the reasons why they're backing down. You see uh, Nancy Pelosi last week, oh, we support protests, but we don't support looting, fires, etc. Those people need to be prosecuted. The same narrative is coming out of Joe Biden. And I think what is happening is that it's not just, uh, you know, a racial divide that is, is uh, being seen here with the response to these riots, these Biden riots. I think it's across the board. I think it's blacks, Hispanics, whites, you name it. 
I think everybody is growing tired of what they seem to see as this nonstop riot in the street going over and over again. And I was amazed to see Shaquille O'Neal last night, along with uh, Charles Barkley, talk about the Breonna Taylor case. I mean, the fact that these two gentlemen could get on there and remind the American people that, hey, she had a druggy boyfriend who shot at the cops. I mean, because they are seeing it just as rational human beings. They're, I don't think that everybody who can think for themselves is buying into the Democratic narrative. And I think that this is actually a great opportunity for uh, economic nationalism, for the Republican Party, because what you are seeing in my mind on the street is people starting to open their eyes and wake up. And I think that there's a great opportunity to expose the entire Democratic Party and their neglect of not just the African-American community, but the Hispanic community, too. They've taken them for granted for decades. And the fact of the matter is, for both communities, number one issue is the economy. Hispanics, immigration is number three. So the Democrats are, are losing, in, in my opinion, the kind of talking points because the people they're directed at don't buy it. Raheem, I, I want to toss it back to you because also when we come back from the break, I want to go into your analysis of third wave and get back to how they're trying to steal. How the, the Democrats are now in a mad scramble, right? You see Bloomberg writing $100 million checks. You see him try to break the law and pay for felons to vote. You're seeing these guys now, Axios, they're saying, oh, no, we're, we're changing our plan. We're going to have a get-out-the-vote because we understand it's important to get people to the polls on November 3rd, which is way too late to pivot to that now. But you're seeing this man scramble. Raheem, I want to go into your reporting on, on the third wave, so I want to toss it back to you. Hashtag war and pandemic, the live stream's on fire. Need to hear your voice and need to hear what you're doing to make sure that you protect the victory of Donald J. Trump on the 3rd of November. Yeah, in the break, ladies and gentlemen, if you do me a favor, head on over to the nationalpulse.com. That story about the Platinum Plan is the lead story on the site right now. Share it around. Make sure you're tweeting it, putting it on Parler, on your Facebook pages, uh, emailing it to your friends. Uh, the announcement this afternoon is going to be lit. And when we come back, we're going to be getting into this. This is the PowerPoint presentation for the, uh, for the radio audience. Uh, it's called the Inside Trump's War on the Vote by this organization called Third Way. And of course, on the last page, who does Third Way credit? It credits the Protect Democracy organization. Who's Protect Democracy? Oh, well, that's Obama's former associate counsel who funds the Transition Integrity Project. We'll be right back with more details. War Room Pandemic with Stephen K. Bannon. The epidemic is a demon, and we cannot let this demon hide. War Room. Pandemic. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Well, it is frustrating after three years of Nancy Pelosi crowing about how Donald Trump was doing great violence to our institutions to now see the Democrats threatening impeachment to try to procedurally jam the Senate to stop them from fulfilling their constitutional obligation to advise and consent on the president's selection for the Supreme Court. And so, of course, the administration is not going to participate in this game of Red Rover where they send officials over not for a legitimate 
oversight or questioning, but just to try to create a procedural setup to stop the country from doing its important business. And I'm glad you mentioned Mike Bloomberg's efforts in Florida, because I will be calling on the Florida Attorney General to launch an investigation into Mike Bloomberg for potentially engaging in bribery and vote buying in the state of Florida. Here's how that works, Lou. In Florida, you only get to vote if you're a convicted felon, if all of your court costs, fines, fees, and restitution are paid off. And so what Michael Bloomberg is doing is creating a politically motivated way to retire the debts of these felons in exchange for their votes. And it's not every felon, it's just those which they have specifically identified as the Biden voters. And so again, that's offering a bribe, an inducement for someone to behave a certain way in voting. I think it's potentially criminal. It's probably the worst waste of money for Michael Bloomberg since he was a failed presidential candidate. Mike yeah. Bloomberg made some uh, news when he decided to pay all the debts of all the felons in Florida, making yeah. them eligible to sure. vote. Now, the Attorney General of Florida was just on Fox and Friends and said they're going to do an investigation because he's not just doing this. The, she believes she's going to investigate whether she's actually telling if he's pushing them how to vote, not just making it's them criminal eligible act. to vote. It's, 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 hey, look, Mike Bloomberg got on stage and made a fool out of himself, Mini Mike. And he blew almost $2 billion, couldn't answer the first question. He was hit by Pocahontas like nobody's ever been hit. Well, I get hit like that all the time. You have to be able to respond. He choked and he couldn't talk. And he's dying to get back into the Democrat Party. So he's putting up money. But the problem is, it's totally illegal what he did. I guess it's a felony. He's actually giving money people. He's paying people to vote. He's actually saying, here's money. Now you go ahead and vote for only Democrats, right? You yeah. vote for them or vote against Trump because, uh, you know, because I reveal things about Bloomberg and he didn't like. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. I mean, there's, there, there's, I mean, it's pure logos. It's pure logic going on there from the President of the United States when he walks you through exactly what Matt Gates warned about, what the Florida Attorney General is now warning about. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. We've got a situation on our hands now where the panic button is being smashed on repeat by the political left, smashed on repeat by the Biden campaign. One of those panic buttons is don't let Biden go out. Call a lid every morning. But more of them come in the shape of things like this. Inside Trump's war on the vote from the Third Way organization, this PowerPoint document that walks people through the four steps that they claim Trump plans to deploy to interfere in the elections. Trump's plan to interfere in the elections. The President of the United States interfering in the elections of the United States. Think, think about the, the, the counter logic that they're dropping here. Number one, pre-election, suppress the vote. Number two, election day, make it harder to vote. Number three, post-election, stop the count. Number four, January 2021, throw it to the House. Pure panic. And there's no accounting for the Atlantic. I mean, this is 37 pages. Back and front. 37 pages. Count them. Essay. Every single detail about what they call the election that could break America. Yeah, well, let me tell you something. If this election breaks America, it's because of these unsolicited mail-in ballots it's because of as the guys have talked about these naked ballots it's because 
of the rhetoric and the fear that's been ramped up by the political left, by the Atlantic, by their friends in the Transition Integrity Project, by the Third Way, by all of these groups and individuals and people and Bloomberg and Hawkfish and all these guys. You look at the resources they are deploying right now. This is making 2016 look like a drop in the bucket. It's going to make post-2016 look like a cakewalk as far as lawfare and interference from the intelligence agencies and all of that is concerned. You go through this Atlantic piece, this is the panic button. This is, oh my goodness, we went too soon with our transition integrity project and they rumbled us and now we're going to have to spend the next couple of months convincing the electorate of our side of what Stephen Bannon calls the blue steel versus versus the, the, the blood red wave that's going to happen on November the 3rd. Steve, I think you're back with us now. Yeah, you know, Raheem, you, you brought up the other day hubris and nemesis. You've been great about bringing these classical terms that really so much of the Judeo-Christian West's thought process is, is predicated on. This is, remember, the mainstream media always gets it wrong. So let, let's, let's, let's frame it for them and let the hashtag war and pandemic posse in the live stream and this, the great audience throughout the world uh, talk about this. This election is actually going to strengthen America because I think it's going to highlight for a lot of people what's important and what's not. And you're seeing in this, you know, we, I, I just want to give a hat tip to the New York Republican Club of uh, uh, what, Gavin Wax and uh, Krista DeVito, Vishburg. We had a huge uh, speech the other night there to kick off our National Metropolitan Republican Club, uh, Ian Walsh-Riley, uh, Chrystia Lenzo, and then last night the Young Republicans National Federation, Rich Lowry and Jesse Rapella, that had the largest live stream ever. People are yearning and hungry for this information, Raheem, as you've seen doing the great opening act on, on these nights. And we're going to expose this every day. But this is leading to what the Greeks called a catharsis. A catharsis. This is like a storm that's leading up to something. And it's going to be very powerful. And it's going to be very positive. Because now we're seeing all the cockroaches kind of come out right from under the stones you know you, they can't they're not gonna be able to hide anymore the social media guys are all thrown down against trump all the media guys all the media executives hollywood the culture uh, etc all of it right not just the democratic party which i said from the beginning is really kind of dysfunctional disorganized you know it's the it's the mainstream media it's uh, it's the source back it's all their backers on wall street it's all the people that want the party of davos kind of globalization project predicated upon, guess what, the slave labor of Lao Beijing, old hundred names, in China, and then everybody else that serves, right, essentially, particularly the millennials. So I think, and this is what's been so powerful about the kickoff to the national tour, uh, Raheem and Jack, is young people. Last night at the Young Republican National Federation, they started off by talking about they've done 10 million door knocks or phone calls and get out the vote. Okay, so we're going to come back, and I want to go through the third wave in the, in the next segment and talk about each component piece and how they're framing it as a lie, when really this is concerned citizens that are not going to sit there and be hoodwinked anymore. So I think this is incredibly powerful. It's leading to catharsis. This is not the election that's going to destroy America. This is the election that's going to save America. Raheem, Jack, back to you in Washington, D.C. Yeah, I wanted to go back to Congressman Getz's comments about Mike Bloomberg, because I think there's a big tell there concerning uh, the American voters and the Democratic Party. 
they are giving monies to for these people, these felons who have court costs, fines, etc. in Florida. But they specifically excluded white felons. They targeted black felons, 33,000 out of the 40-some thousand that they have gone are to black felons because they claim that in Florida, African-Americans will vote Democrat 95% of the time. They're hoping to peel off a, a chunk of the, the uh, Hispanic voters who may be felons as well. But to me, this is just shows you, again, the rank hypocrisy of the Democratic Party, and it shows you the danger of their divisive identity politics. While claiming that they are going to represent everybody behind the scenes, they are chopping up the country into little pie pieces, and this is why they are having problems. I think one of the huge tells that we have out there right now is that you see close to 50% of gay men in America are going to vote for Donald Trump. This is revolutionary, and I'd like to give a hat tip to uh, one of the guys who, who started that whole thing. The hashtag walkaway movement has been, I think, one of the amazing things that's occurred over the last two years. It does not get enough credit. But again, this shows me that the Democratic Party is divisive. They do not represent everybody equally. They think of all of us as little statistics in boxes that they check. And I think it's very dangerous, and we're watching that division on the streets that has been promulgated by a philosophy wholly central to the Democratic Party, which defines everybody on superficialities, not on their spirit, not what Dr. King described as, you know, the universal spirit of man. And I find it absolutely appalling. They do it every single year. They do it in academics. They do it in employment. And it's just appalling, and I hope to God that the American people's eyes are opening up to this nonsense. Yeah, I think that's right. I want to uh, just tee up again for all of you guys. And these are the things, by the way, we're not here to read them for you. I'm not CNN. I'm not sitting here and going, oh, we're going to read this. We're the experts. Listen to us about what these things say. I want you to go out there and find these things for yourselves, right? It's not my job to, to hold your hand and walk you through it. Nobody does it for me, so I'm not doing it for you, right? I'm holding it up for the camera. If you're in the radio audience, here's what you got to know. Go away and find this thing. It's called Inside Trump's War on the Vote. Just put, put that in quotation marks in your Google, in your DuckDuckGo, whatever you're using. Inside Trump's War on the Vote. Go through it. Learn it. This is, this is Embrace the suck, as Steve says. This is going to be your life from November the 3rd to January the 20th. This is your life. And this Atlantic article, the election that could break America, learn about the way the opposition are thinking. Know thy enemy. And then you'll always be able to outmaneuver them and think in advance of them. Why do you think the Transition Integrity Project ripped their website down in a full panic? Because Raheem Kassam and Natalie Winters and Steve Bannon got ahead of them. And you can too. We'll be back in just a moment. War Room Pandemic with Stephen K. Bannon. The epidemic is a demon and we cannot let this demon hide. War Room Pandemic. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Hubris, nemesis, catharsis. This is going to be one of the most powerful, important moments in American history. It's going to empower the Trump movement. It's going to empower the Republican Party. It's going to empower freedom throughout the world. Donald Trump will continue to confront the Chinese Communist Party in the second term 
I think, leading to the destruction of the Chinese Communist Party in sunlit uplands ahead of us. But we got to get through this first, folks. You're seeing the left in a full meltdown. We'll now turn to uh, Raheem. Because I'm telling you about the full meltdown. Raheem, you brought up the other day that brilliant analysis you did with, was it Niles Gilman, one of the top leaders of the Berggruen Institute, actually talking about the assassination execution of a guy like Michael Anton. I mean, it, it is, their rhetoric is so out of control. It's a disgrace. Of course, they never called themselves on it, so we'll have to do it. Raheem, go back. Talk about a disgrace. This third wave. Every element of this is a lie and a misrepresentation about what's really going on. So I want you to walk through. we got Michael Patrick Leahy, El Wood still to go on the show, but I want to go back to Raheem to have Raheem walk through this analysis. Yeah, that's right. Thanks, Steve. Um, okay, so we've talked about this third wave uh, a bunch of times now on the, um, on the show so far, but what is third wave for a start? Okay, they call themselves a national think tank that champions modern center-left ideas. They hold events and put out press releases, and they're quoted in places, and they have a big staff, lots of trustees. I mean, nearly 60 staff, I think. Uh, across this organization, a board of trustees, uh, you know, that includes your usual, your usual highfalutin names from, from big corp- the big corporate world, uh, honorary co-chairs, inc- including Senator Chris Coons and Joe Manchin and, and Kristen Sinema, uh, so on and so forth. And Third Way put out this report. I mean, I say report, but it's, it's, it's really quite the embarrassment if you know anything about this issue. What they're hoping is that people don't, and what they're really hoping is that the media don't. These lazy reporters here on Capitol Hill, here in Washington, D.C., you know, these it would effectively amount to stenographers. You know, they come to the, to the Morton's Terrace with their little pen and pad, and they, and they take down verbatim whatever these guys uh, briefed to them. And I've watched it happen. may have done it myself a few times. I mean, briefed them, not taken the briefing. Um, four points. Pre-election, election day, post-election, January 2021. I'm going to walk you through this, ladies and gentlemen. Pre-election plan. Suppress the vote. So they say, purging voters from the rolls, using foreign misinformation, and crippling the post office are the three ways that President Trump intends or has intended to suppress the vote. The only problem with that, of course, is if you know anything about anything as it pertains to all of this stuff, number one, purging voters from the rolls. They're not purging voters from the rolls. You're cleaning up the rolls that still include people that A, might no longer live there, may no longer live in the country, may no longer be eligible to vote, um, and uh, uh, are dead, right? That's, That's what's going on. And, and that's what's not going on in places like California and in some instances in Nevada as well. I had the uh, Ellen, um, I forget the lady's surname now, on from the Election Integrity Project. These are the good guys out in California who keep an eye on this. And, she, you know, she, you can't believe the hundreds of thousands of, of, of fake names and, and, and dead people that are on the ballots across certain counties in California, let alone, you know, the state writ large. Talk about foreign misinformation here, foreign misinformation. And the only citation they have on this point is from Politico, where it says 2020 attacks feature, quote, harder to detect fakes, more countries pushing covert agendas and a flood of American groups copying their methods, end quote. That's literally it. And I don't mean there's a, there's a hyperlink or there's a, um, you know, a footnote with more detail. That's it. That's a farce. That's ridiculous. That you're not proving anything. You're not even saying anything with that. 
And number three, cripple the post office. I think we all know uh, at this point what the what the whole argument about USPS has been and who's really tried to heap up pressure on the post office. By the way, something we haven't even reported out yet, but that I found while digging through uh, the benefactor of the Transition Integrity Project, this group called uh, Protect Democracy. They actually are suing the post office at a time when the left is claiming, oh, the post office doesn't have enough resources and not well manned enough. They're suing. Talk about taking up their time and their resources and all of that. Okay, that was point one, by the way. We're just on point one here. Point two, make it harder to vote. Shutting down polling places is their first thing. And number two, scaring away voters. So what do they say about these two things? They say 1,700 polling places have been shuttered in GOP states since 2013. COVID is making it much worse. I'm, I, don't, I don't remember President Trump being the president since 2013. And I don't remember this president talking about shuttering polling places as a result of the coronavirus. He's the one trying to keep them open. Okay, so there you go again. Nonsense, nonsense allegation, nonsense accusation. Number two, scaring away voters. This is an interesting one. Republicans, they say, are recruiting 50,000 cops and soldiers as poll watchers to intimidate voters. Steve, no citation on that. Okay. Number three, post-election plan, stop the count. It says, during the Florida recount in 2000, a group of GOPers took part in the Brooks Brothers riot in Miami's election office, demanding the recount be stopped. This year, Trump's attempts to shut down the initial count could make that seem like a garden party. Well, I think that did seem like a garden party at the time, if my memory serves me correctly. That's why it's called the Brooks Brothers riot. But, go ahead, Steve. Can I jump in a second and get to the last two points? You're going through and deconstructing this perfectly to show you how they try to misrepresent. But I want to bring in Michael Patrick Leahy really quickly. Michael Patrick uh, is a Leahy. Really, it, it, tell us a story that's breaking out of Nashville because this is what the Democratic Party did. They traumatized their base. And they traumatize their base through false information. So, Michael, you, you run a number of newspapers. We'll get to that in a second. But tell us what's happening in Nashville, Tennessee, and how the Democrats are really using information warfare against the country, but it's really kind of turned back on their own voting, uh, their own voting base. I'm not sure we have that line. I'm not sure. Can we hear? Uh, can we hear Michael Patrick Leahy? I got no Michael Patrick Leahy, and I've got no Steve at the moment. So I'm gonna just <laughs> I'm gonna just keep ripping until somebody tells me otherwise. Producer Dan Vish, uh, uh, text me if you if you have. I got my phone here in front of me. I'm paying attention to live production here. It's okay. We have some uh, hiccups sometimes. I'll continue on with this. Uh, deconstruction of the the third way thing we only got one more point left to go okay we'll talk about this brooks brothers riot here um you notice by the way that they everywhere this is a this is a think tank with i don't know i haven't looked into how much in terms of millions of dollars they have but they have dozens upon dozens of staff they call themselves a national think tank and they say here's as detailed as they get ladies and gentlemen this year trump's attempts to shut down the initial count could Make the Brooks Brothers riot seem like a garden party. No citation. Could. Okay. Remember what happens when, uh, when our side says things without, uh, without um, any, any backing up. We get dragged through the media. I know some of the, um, I know some of the people at home listening in the live chat can, 
could hear Michael Patrick Leahy, but we couldn't hear him in studio, and so we can't really conduct an interview that way. Um, so we're waiting to reconnect that line and reconnect with uh, with Stephen K. Bannon as well. And then number four on this whole thing, you got to you got to pay very close attention to this. This is Trump's January plan, and it actually uh, it actually goes to what Bill McGinley was talking about. It's nice to know that they are paying attention to some of the detail. It says win in Congress. Number four, the new Congress meets in session on January sixth with Mike Pence presiding. Usually this, the counting of electoral votes is pro forma, but this time it would involve a lot of drama. Great English. And it's not at all clear how Congress would view or resolve questions about disputed electoral slates. Now, what did I tell you a couple of weeks ago? I said they want to take their hands out of the power of the elected people, the people you send, uh, whether it's to your state legislature, whether it's your governor, whether it's your a member of Congress, whether it's your senator. They want to take the power out of their hands, i.e. out of your hands, and put it in the hands of an electoral commission. That's an unelected, bureaucratic board of commissioners that decide the results of elections. And this point in the third way plan goes exactly to that. It says it's not clear at all how Congress would view or resolve questions about disputed electoral slates. Well, if it's not clear how Congress would resolve it, and it's not clear how the courts would resolve it, what do you think their next recommendation is? Oh, that's right. It's an electoral college. As Dan Coates came out a couple of days after I warned that that was going to happen, he came out in the New York Times. He said, hey, we need an electoral college, electoral commission, rather. They're going to have an electoral commission. And Nancy Pelosi will be putting together her own electoral commission. Stephen K. Bannon returns to us now. Steve? You mean electoral commission. Commission. This is how they try to take your hands. Raheem, in a couple of minutes we got left, I just want to go back, you and Jack, and talk about their rhetoric. Now they're full in. You're going to see more and more reports like this third wave. They're going to come there. Katie Turr's critical path. They're in absolute panic mode because they've been found, right? We've, we've gone through. We've run our own war games. We've deconstructed this. We've outed every aspect of how they're going to do this. Now it's all about actually delivering. It's going to be very tough because, you know, there's, what, 10,500, what, jurisdictions, uh, voting uh, places in the country. Uh, it's going to be a really a, a, an enormous undertaking to do this, particularly on the legal side, but at least people now have a framework. But I want to ask you guys about the rhetoric. The rhetoric on the left continues to get more and more violent, more and more dangerous. Steve, we uh, we continue to... So I want to go back to you guys for your, your, uh, your observations on this. Yeah, Steve, we're, we're having some trouble with your line there, so um, just bear with us here. Jack Maxey? With us here. Jack Maxey? Now I can hear myself. Yeah, yeah, observations yeah, on this observations and what's going on in the street is, uh, I don't think I'm much different than other Americans. I think we're watching our TV every night. We're watching a little mouse uprising occur inside of our cities. And, and I've said this before, and I don't think we should really discount the potential for violence in this sort of situation. We saw this with the Red Guard in China during the Cultural Revolution. We saw this in Saigon uh, with the infiltration of Maoists uh, via Kong into the city. We saw this with the execution of thousands of school teachers, priests, lawyers, doctors, etc., in the city of Hue when they only held the city for three or four days. This is dangerous, dangerous stuff. And I find it so upsetting that American uh, political leaders, media personalities could so flippantly talk about the idea of civil war in the streets. I do not think that they can conceive of just what a terrible thing that would be for this country. 
And uh, well, I they, think they and should that's be the held thing. responsible for their words. That's the thing, Jack. They just see it as a game. They don't think that they're going to be impacted by it. Remember, most of these people, uh, especially in D.C., they live in Kellerama, these great na- gated communities, gated houses, big walls, security guards. You think, you think Don Lemon has to worry uh, about his house, about his security? He's got, he's got every resource in the world. So he doesn't mind ratcheting up the rhetoric. Who are the ones that are actually going to be impacted by this? It's the poorest communities. It's people who live you know, in, situation, in, in neighborhood cities, towns, whatever it is, that they can't arm themselves. They can't defend their property. I agree with you. I think, I think they, but they don't think it's real because it will never be real to them. Well, you know, they th- I think they sort of felt the same way in 1860 uh, when they fired on Fort Sumter the following spring. There was a lot of jubilant kind of talk about how this thing's going to be over and we're going to get payback and all this thing. And I don't think that any of the people who started that rebellion conceived that there was going to be 600,000 dead four years later. Hey, Jack, let's go to a quick break here. Um, When we come back, hopefully we'll have uh, Stephen K. Bannon, Michael Patrick Leahy um, and more for you here. Hashtag war and pandemic. I want you in the break, ladies and gentlemen. Go support our supporters, Citizen Free Press, Bongino Report, Wapfinger.com, all those guys. Make sure you're giving them clicks, sending them traffic. We'll be right back. War Room Pandemic with Stephen K. Bannon. The epidemic is a demon and we cannot let this demon hide. War Room Pandemic. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Welcome back to the War Room. Raheem Kassam, Jack Maxi, broadcasting live from Capitol Hill, your nation's capital, which which will be obviously more and more fractious as the uh, days and months move forward through this election process. The Blue Steel is in full swing, as Stephen K. Bannon calls it. I want to make sure that you guys are checking out all of our partners and friends uh, over at revolver.news, Citizen Free Press, and uh, uh, the Bongino Report and uh, all the other great sites that are out there right now. Michael Patrick Leahy's sites, the uh, Virginia Star, and the, the, they're just doing an amazing job. Um, you know, really in, in the absence of trying to fill that vacuum that uh, some of the other sites that were supposedly on the political right have, have left behind, either through people like Drudge just abandoning the uh, the conservative battlefield. I mean, he was always a libertarian, but I never saw him going full Biden, but he has. I want to bring in a founder of one of those sites that's really driving some numbers and, and driving some stories right now, and that's Todd Wood. Todd is the uh, publisher and editor-in-chief of Creative Destruction Media, CD Media. Todd, I just noticed, welcome to the program, just noticed you got my good old buddy Gawain Towler listed on your site as a contributor. So... Um, I, yes, uh, he's a he's a he's a chap. Now I know you <laughs> must be the eccentric of the eccentrics. Uh, Todd, tell us uh, tell us what uh, how how things are going for CD Media. You know, alternative voices are so critically important at this time now. How are things going for you? Must be well, right? Because you're getting targeted. Yeah, uh, we're growing rapidly. Uh, we've been dropping a lot of bombs uh, from Ukraine on Biden over the last year. We've got about 70 stories out through our network in Ukraine. And uh, we're you know, obviously being targeted by Silicon Valley. We had five companies deplatform us within a period of days, PayPal, Stripe, CJ Affiliates, which is a big advertising network, Patreon, Twitter, uh, Facebook is filtering everything we've done. So 
we want to be a, a new global news service without all the progressive spin. We've got reporters around the world, and uh, a lot of people are taking our feed, so we're excited. What did they? Uh, what, did, what reason did they give you for kicking you off? I mean, they they give a little little rationale sometimes, I guess, don't they? Yeah, Twitter said we were disturbing the Twitter experience. Uh, Stripe said we were too risky. <laughs> Uh, you know, a variety of, uh, mostly that we were too risky to have on their platform. But, you know, obviously with, within a span of a few days, this was coordinated. Twitter dropped eight accounts overnight. Um, so I, I think we are just being too effective. You talk about um, disturbing the Twitter experience, but ISIS had accounts on Twitter and uh, Hamas continues to have accounts on Twitter and pornography continues to be prevalent on Twitter how are you disturbing the Twitter experience? <laughs> well, it's obviously just an excuse. I don't even, you know, people ask me what was the rationale all the time, and I just say, look, we're in a war. I mean, we're, we're beyond that question. Uh, at this point, it's obvious what's going on, and we built our business in spite of Twitter and Facebook. We don't pay them a dime, and we're going organically, and that's, uh, we want to be independent and not dependent on any of these companies. So tell us a little bit about your uh, about your scoops, um, especially as it pertains to, mm -hmm. to Hunter Biden, the Bidens and Burisma and all, all, all the rest, because there's so mm -hmm. many details out right now that people aren't aware of, because as you say, the people reporting them keep getting their accounts taken down. Well, look, the, the deal in Ukraine is a former Soviet state uh, and, and what the DNC, the, the deep state, uh, the State Department, the, the Hillary Clinton campaign the Bidens, what, what they were able to do is move all their operations to Ukraine so they would not be, uh, you know, would not have transparency issues in the U.S. They wouldn't, people wouldn't see what they were doing. So they basically ran this information uh, operation against Trump during the 2016 election. And, and at the whole, in the, during the whole time, they were laundering hundreds of millions of dollars through the central bank, through Petro Poroshenko, who was the previous president. Uh, we've released audio tapes recently on, you know, multiple times on that, uh, where he's colluding with, uh, Biden is colluding with Poroshenko to, to go against Trump. We released, or I did when I was writing for the Washington Times in 2016, that the black ledger from, uh, supposedly from Paul Manafort was a hoax, and that turned out after the Mueller report to be true. We released the original Burisma wires from Hunter Biden, um, and just this week, we released confirmation in a court case that Burisma admitted to bribing Joe Biden with payments of, in the millions of dollars. The big story also is that there is about $40 billion that was stolen from former President Yanukovych that was offshore uh, that Marie Yanukovych, the ambassador in, former ambassador who was fired by Trump and testified in the impeachment trial, she prevented from coming back to the U.S. So there's a lot of money sloshing around, and I think that's why they do not want anyone looking any deeper, and that's why they're so worried about Trump in the second term. What did we pick up yesterday? We've got about two minutes left here, Todd. What did we pick up yesterday mm -hmm. from these uh, these tweets, these uh, text messages between FBI agents? Is that something that's on your guys' radar? Uh, we've been focused more overseas. Uh, we do have confirmation that multiple FBI agents in Ukraine, I'm not going to name names now, but uh, that took $5 million bribes. Uh, we have confirmation that they stopped the investigation. You know, the National Anti-Corruption Bureau of Ukraine, or NABU, was set up not to investigate corruption in Ukraine, but to stop the investigation 
uh, into Hunter Biden and Burisma and Joe Biden. It was an extra constitutional uh, organization that really has no legal authority. And it was only done to shut down these investigations. Yeah. So, you know, the guy was so, Artem Sitnik. I've met with him. Todd, we've got, go we, we got to jump, but why don't you tell our audience um, where, they can, yeah. where they can follow you, what accounts you do still have that are up that they can, they can subscribe to? Yeah. My, uh, my original Twitter, my personal Twitter, L. Todd Wood, is back up, but cdm.press is our website, and you can find all our reporting there under the investigation section. Fantastic. Thank you, Todd. We've got to get you back as well, uh, get, get you some longer time on here to walk us through all of that stuff. You know, it, th- this is how it works, guys. You know, if you need, if you want to do scoops from abroad, you've got to have people on the ground. That's what uh, CD Media ha- has. I want to make sure as well, talking about Russia and the big Russia lie, we have a, uh, a new little uh, monograph out from uh, a friend of mine, Thomas Farnan, which uh, we're releasing on Sunday. It's called The Russia Lie, published in conjunction with the National Pulse. So you can go to therussialie.com, therussialie.com, and uh, you can pick that up there. It's only five bucks, so we're not trying to make money out of it. We just want to make sure that costs are covered and you guys get the information uh, that Thomas Farnan has put together. We'll see you at 3 p.m., I hope for the National Pulse Show, the president may be speaking around then. I'll give him the time. On Real America's Voice, we'll have all the rallies uninterrupted tonight here on Real America's Voice. Tune in. Stick around. Up next. <laughs>